0: Hey, this is Ryan Miller. I'm the lead pastor of Local City Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope this talk encourages you, inspires you, and reminds you that there is always hope, that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the message. We are closing out a two-week collection of talks that we have called the thrill of hope. Turn to the person next to you, give them a little elbow, wake them up, tell them the thrill of hope. Just like that, use your hands like I did, communicate to them, the thrill of hope, right? Now there should be a thrill when we talk about the things of God. There should be a thrill to our emotion, to our energy, to our excitement when we talk about the hope that has a name and that name is Jesus. We should be excited about the life that God has created us to live. Here at Local City, we want to give you a chance to experience God in a powerful way, but not so that you can be burdened down by all these requirements, but so that you can live a full and joy-filled life because of the freedom that Jesus has given you, because of the hope that he fills you with today. And the title of today's message, right before we pray, is this, Glory in the Highest. Glory in the Highest. Would you pray with me today as we open our, open our hearts and our, and our lives to the message to God's word today? Lord, we love you, we thank you, we praise you. And right now, we we'll just lean into the title of this message, Glory in the Highest. Pray that you would be with us here today. You'd be with all of our kids and local city kids and our incredible kids team that helps make church happen. That even our next generation right now in this moment is being introduced to you, God, and falling in love with their best friend, Jesus. Lord, we love you today. We take notes down. We write things down, knowing that it will encourage and lift us up today. We love you. In Jesus' name, we all say amen, amen. And do me a favor. Why don't you give a nice shout, everyone for watching for Local City Church Online, everybody. Hey, we're so glad you're with us. Whether you're watching live or in person, you're a part of the family. We'd love to have you in person for Christmas Eve next week. I love the title of this message, Glory in the Highest, because it reminds me of something that is incredibly important during Christmas, and that is, life is not all about me. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, hey, life's not all about you. Whisper it, say it nicely, say it with some sensitivity. Don't go crazy. Life's not about you. Life's not about me. Life has one focus, and we learn it, we lean into this phrase, glory in the highest. I realized this just a couple days ago when I was driving to a family dinner across the Courtney Campbell Causeway, which we know, if you wanna test your faith, just drive across that piece of road, especially driving in Florida. And so I was in the family wagon, the van, minivan life. I'm a dad, minivan life, it's awesome, love it. It's got a little pickup too, which is fun. And so we were driving, and if you don't know this, A lot of people in Florida don't know this, but you're actually technically supposed to always drive in the right lane, and the left lane is the passing only lane, okay? Come on, somebody, we gotta get a little bit of driver's ed 101 out there. You're driving slow in the left lane, it's a passing lane. All right, get to the right, all right, just so you know, but that's not a spiritual message, that's just maybe a practical message for you today. But anyway, driving in the right lane, and I was coming up on somebody who was driving a little slow. They had a Florida license plate, so I can't blame a snowbird or anything like that. They're driving a little slow and had to get around them. And so I put on the blinker, like you should as well. Use your blinkers, everyone. Put on the blinker to signal that I'm getting over into left lane. I had plenty of room. But the person that was coming up in the left lane, when they saw me coming over into the left lane, they didn't slow down to let me over. They gunned it, pedaled to the metal to cut me off so I couldn't get over. But I was like, yo, man, you're in a little sedan. I'm in the family van, you gotta move out of the way, I'm coming over, right? And uh, I I slid over, they laid on the horn a little bit, and I just, I did the thing where you look in the rearview mirror and you're like, hey, I'm right, you're wrong, sorry, all right, and I was like, let's go. Drove a little bit slower just to make sure they realized that I got in front of them. Then I said, hey, 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 all right? And I sped up a little bit, and I was like, that's right, get out of the way, I got the family in here, we gotta get to dinner, all right? (laughs) Then I remember a very important thing about every car that the Miller household owns, and that's that we have a local city church bumper sticker <laughs> on the car. And it reminded me that, yes, that, that made my life a little easier. I got what I wanted, but who's to say that if someone ever invites that person behind me to local city, they'd be like, yo, your people are nuts. I'm not going anywhere near that church because they drive crazy. And I know it's silly, but it reminds me of the fact that life is not about my convenience Life is not about doing what I wanna do and making my life easier. Life is not about stepping on other people so that I can get what I want. I am being an example of not only my church, but Jesus. That the glory is not in the name of Ryan. The glory is not in my life. The glory is in the highest. And we see this in Luke chapter two, starting in verse eight, it says this. That night, the shepherds were in the fields nearby guarding their flocks of sheep, and suddenly, An angel of the Lord appeared, I love that word suddenly, circle it, underline it, all that good stuff, appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign, You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. I love this because we've been talking about the concept of Advent. And Advent is a season that we recognize in the great anticipation of Jesus, you see, when the angel tells the shepherds that who you've been waiting for, the Messiah has come, they had really been waiting for this guy. You see, God had spoken to his people pretty consistently and pretty, consist- pretty, uh, pretty specifically for a long time, but there was over 400 years of silence from the last prophet to the moment where people began to announce about Jesus, to this moment. So think about that. God has been silent for 400 years. Some of us can't take God being silent for 40 minutes. Imagine 400 years, you're like, God, where are you? And you just gotta stay faithful. You gotta stay committed. You gotta stay consistent. Keep showing up and trusting him. And eventually, a suddenly showed up. That's what Advent's all about. That that Jesus, the son of God, suddenly showed up into the story, and here he is. And he was letting the, the, the... Angel was letting the shepherds know like, hey, just so you know, this isn't about you, it's about him. And to prove it, a giant host of angels filled the sky singing and proclaiming, glory to God in the highest. You see, there was a study um, by the Westminster uh, charter of churches and and they began to really minimalize down or specify down like, what is life all about when it comes to following Jesus? Really, what is life all about as humans? And they came to this simple statement that the reason we are here, especially if we call ourselves followers of Jesus, but even bigger than that, what is the meaning, what is the purpose of life, why are we here? It's to this, it's this statement that I want you to fill in, that it's to glorify God and enjoy him forever. To glorify God that he is where the glory goes, he is the one in the highest, he is where my focus and attentions goes. It's about him, not me, and I don't do that out of, oh, life is so hard, I'm so burdened by all the things God has told me to do. No, it's so that I can enjoy him forever, so that I can enjoy this life, so that I can enjoy Jesus, the son of God. I love that the angel says, hey, just so you know, shepherds, I'm, I'm showing up a little intensely, but this is good news. And it's bringing great joy to everyone. That should have an evidence in your life that you trust in it and believe in it, that you are glorifying God and enjoying him forever. Can I ask you a question today, local city? And I hope by the end of the message today, you will begin to say, I want to at least try to. Do you enjoy Jesus? Do you enjoy your relationship with him? Or do you feel like it's a burden? Do you feel like it's a have-to, not a get-to? Do you feel like you're doing it out of obligation? I would pray and ask for you to really consider that that might be the enemy trying to sneak into your thought process and into your mind that this is all about have-tos, this is still all about you, and if you don't enjoy it or you don't want to do it, that the focus is not on Jesus, it's still on us. It's still on our own comfort but when you realize that life is not about me, it's to give glory to God and enjoy him and enjoy Jesus forever, man, I don't know how that doesn't bring a smile to your face. I don't know how it doesn't bring a little pep in your step that, yo, it's Christmas season, this is about Jesus. because we're gonna talk about in a little bit. I would have nothing without him. I would have nothing without Jesus when it really comes to what actually matters. I might have a lot of somethings, but I wouldn't have any significance. So, here's the thing I want you to write down. It's that we say glory to God in the highest at Christmas time because we are praising God for the birth of his son into the world. What's beautiful about glory in the highest, what's beautiful about saying that, what's beautiful about Christmas, is realizing that God didn't from heaven on high just shout his love for us, hey, I love you. He showed it by stepping down by sending his son who stepped down into this world as a little baby and lived a long life to show us and demonstrate the goodness and love and power of God. See, God is not shouting at you right now, he is showing you right now, hey, this is how much I love you, this is how much I wanna demonstrate to you. If all I ever did with my wife, Adrienne, was shout, hey, I love you." That's all I did, and that was what marriage was all about. Man, marriage would be super easy. That's all it took. Hey, I love you. All right, we're great. I feel awesome. Love you so much. But it doesn't stop there at all. Actually, you know that if you are married, if you've ever had a significant relationship, there takes a lot of demonstrating that love. There takes a lot of showing and serving out of that love. And I want you to know today that because of the goodness of Jesus, because of the greatness of God, he is not shouting from a distance, but he is here in this room showing you that he loves you. That's what I love about church. That's what I love about what we do on Sundays. What do we do on Christmas Eve nights? Realize this, a quote from, again, one of my favorite theologians, Eugene Peterson, that says, the church is the primary arena. I love that he uses the word arena. Like, this is not just fun thing, some gooey show of emotion, Home Alone 2, right? Like, this is the primary arena where we go to battle for our life, where we go to battle for our community, where we realize that there is some spiritual warfare going on outside these doors, in which we learn that the glory does not consist in what we do for God, but in what God does for us. When you realize that, it will empower your worship and your praise and your prayer like never before. When you realize it's not about, well, I gotta do this right, right? So God will show up. It's saying, wait, God's already done everything. I'm simply responding and receiving. You know what I love about the story with the shepherds? When the angels show up and they say, suddenly, the shepherds don't go, well, you know what, angel? I really got some things I gotta get light, I gotta get right in my life before I go to where you're telling me to go. I really gotta I really gotta get some things cleaned up. And I really get my life in a better situation before I go see Jesus, you know, because I want him to see, you know, I got things under control. They don't stop right there and immediately do some practice or some routine. They, they say in verses later, as we talked about last week, let's go see this thing the angel told us about. Let's just go. Let's just go see Jesus, because clearly it is the example of what God is doing for us right now in this moment. See, this is the place where we celebrate that and we realize you are the same God. We shout Jesus' name, not our name in this room. We glory in the highest the fact that Jesus is here and he has done everything for our life. It is not about what I do. It's about what he has done. I just want you to know, God's done some great things for you. You may say, what? Well, let me prove it to you. Take a deep breath in, deep breath out. That's the greatest gift God's given you. He gave you life. Otherwise, we'd still just be dust on the ground. He breathed life into us. He breathed life into what was meaningless. He breathed life into the thing that had no hope and had no life. And now we can take a deep breath in and a deep breath out and say, God, you are the focus of my life. You are who matters. It's about what you have done for me and you have done so much. Can I encourage you, local city? And I, pray, and, I and I believe God will do more for you. But if God never did one more thing for me in my life, I would still be eternally in debt to him and we begin we begin to have this vending machine approach to god of like you haven't done what i've asked you yet he doesn't have to because honestly the greatest gift that god gives us is not answers to our prayer it's that there is someone walking us through this life walking with us through this life and in the midst of our prayers when we're trying to get him to do something i love that it says in john 1:14 that so the word became human and made his home among us He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Again, it's saying, John is saying, hey, just so you know, the reason he uses the word the term the word is because he was writing to the world at this time. John's gospel is literally written to the world, to the lost people. And he says, the world, the word, he was using this word logos, which a lot of philosophers and, and Greeks at that time believed that there was this thing called the logos that was the existence, that was the reason for existence. The thing that lived and moved and breathed, the eternal force through everything that made life possible. And he was telling them, the, the apostle John was telling people, hey, it's not some force that has no like figure to it, it's not some force that you can't have a relationship with, it is a person. That word, that logos, became human and made his even more personal home among you and I so that he could what? Show us unfailing love and faithfulness. And what does it say? We've seen his glory. The glory of the Father's one and only Son. Like we've seen Jesus. He's more than just a baby in a manger. He is the Son of God. We've seen his glory. He became human. He left heaven to come to earth. Think of the greatest place you can imagine. Times it by a million, and that still wouldn't even come close to heaven. But Jesus was eternally in heaven, and he said, you know what? I'm gonna leave this awesome place to go to the world. Woo, to go to earth, to show the love of God, to live out the God God calling that he's placed on Jesus' life to really enforce God's plan of redemption and freedom and forgiveness. Jesus did that for you and I. And that's why this announcement of glory in the highest is so important. See, I love the shepherd's story, and I love the story of the wise men. I love the wise men. Number one, because to always, always want to remind you that the wise men came to see Jesus months or even a couple years later, even though they're in my nativity scene literally on my mantle at home right now, not historically accurate, all right? They came a lot later. Because when they saw the star that was leading them to Jesus, they had to go on a long journey. See, here's the thing. The shepherds, instantaneous right there with Jesus. The wise men had to go on a long journey. Here's the thing I want you to know. Sometimes your journey to Jesus is gonna be instantaneous, like woo, this is awesome. Sometimes it's gonna take a little fight. Sometimes it's gonna take putting one foot in front of the other and keeping keep going forward, keep moving forward. And I believe the Bible all the time has these different scenarios that we can relate to because sometimes, yeah, Jesus is gonna show up and it's gonna be like suddenly God answered your prayer. Sometimes it's gonna be you see the star in the sky, you see his glory, you see his faithfulness, but you've gotta go on a little journey. You've gotta begin walking, you've gotta to begin to be moving forward. I love this kind of idea that you know, maybe, I don't think uh, the wise men had binoculars back then. Maybe they did, I don't know, I don't think they did though. But however, they looked at the stars, you see the wise men, they studied the stars, and they were waiting for the sign from God that would be that his son had been born. And so I believe for so long, they were studying the sky just like this, awaiting for that sign from God, awaiting for God to do something. And then one day, suddenly, there was a star, whoa! My son, uh, Teddy, who's our one-year-old, he, every single day when I pick him up, he will go over to our tree and go, star, star, and he's talking about the star on the tree, and it's really cute. I love it, it's awesome, makes me cry every time. And what I love about this is that maybe the wise men weren't like, star, but they were like, yo, that's the star we've been waiting for, there it is. But the wise men knew that just this recognition was not enough. They had to put down their quote unquote binoculars and go on the journey and sacrifice where they were comfortable, sacrifice their home and sacrifice their influence and take the journey to Jesus. See, my fear local city for a lot of us is that we've seen the star. We've seen God do something. We've even seen his presence a little bit during worship, but we are totally satisfied with this relationship with Jesus. Yeah, the star's right there. I I know it's there. It's awesome. But you will never feel the power of God in your life if this is what you settle for. You will never see the breakthrough in your situation if this is our goal. Because you know what this is? This is glory in my comfort. This is glory in what's easy for me. This is glory in what I can control. But when I say glory in the high, it's like, yo, yo, that star is the sign of Jesus. And the glory is there. And I'm going to follow it however long it takes me. Months, years. I know it will lead to me being one-on-one, face-to-face with Jesus, where I can bow down and worship him. So today, let me give you three quick things as we begin to finish about the thrill of hope and how this is so important. Number one is this, is that our focus, just like the wise men, just like the shepherds, our focus is on him. Him. Hebrews 1.3 says, the sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God, and he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he has cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. Look at this verse and see how much of the focus is on Jesus. The sun radiates God's own glory. What does that mean? Hey, Jesus' glory is so bright that you can't help but focus on him. See, the glory of God was so powerful back in the Old Testament that man literally couldn't look look at it. A guy named Moses tried to, and God was like, you can't do that because it will kill you. But I will let you see the glory of my back, and that will fill you up enough. And the scripture tells us that when Moses came down from just seeing God's back, his face was so bright that people couldn't even look at him, and he had to put a veil on his face. That's the power of God's glory. That's the intensity of it. Sometimes we think, oh, God's glory, Hmm. No, man, if you look at it intensely, it'll kill you. That's how powerful it is. But because of Jesus, you get to experience the fullness of it. And he radiates God's own glory. So our focus is on him. How many times have I been so distracted, so doubtful in my life, it's because my focus is on the wrong thing? You know what I love about us? is that if someone takes, we get in a group and we take our picture, where's your focus immediately go? How do I look? Oh, I'm blinking. Can't use that one. Everyone else looks great, I know, but but I'm blinking, but everyone looks really nice, I mean, the kids are all smiling, I know, but I'm blinking, Um, I've had this conversation with Adrian, Adrian looks great, the boys look great, and I'm like, I don't look great, you can't post it, we gotta take another one, right, because we don't, (laughs) the focus is on us, right, we go right there, but I believe there's so much freedom when you realize, yo, I don't care what I look like in that picture, because no one's looking at me. I heard a great example before of, imagine there is this big blockbuster movie. I still go to the movie theater, I love it. Uh, you go to the, you like you rent out this big movie theater and you tell all your friends you're in the next blockbuster hit of Christmas weekend and all your friends and all your family come and they watch the whole movie and they're like, bro, you weren't in that movie. You're like, yes, I was, I was. It was at like the 57 minute mark. You saw me, I was a little fuzzy, but you saw me walk by the camera. I was in it. Like, you were not in that, man. You were just like a side story, not even a side story. You were just kind of a fuzzy blob that walked by the camera. The story wasn't about you at all. And we have to have that same approach with our life. It's not about us. We still want to pack the theater because we want people focused on Jesus. And to realize, man, the movie, the story has always been about him. Our focus is on him. You know what happens when you're taking a picture with your phone and you tap on the face that you want to focus on? Everything else comes out of focus but that face. It needs to be like that in our life. We realize, man, I just want to focus on the the radiating glory in the face of Jesus. And I promise you, everything else will get a little dim. Everything else will get a little fuzzy. And you'll clearly see Jesus. And if you can clearly see him, that's all you need. When you see Peter walk on the water to get to Jesus, what does he say? You took your eyes off me. The storm was our, the intensity of the storm didn't change at all. What changed was the intensity of focus that Peter had on Jesus. You're going through something right now? I can't tell you whether or not God's gonna answer what you've prayed for today or move in your life tomorrow. I, 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 believe, I will pray till I'm blue in the face that he will. What I can 100% guarantee you is that if you focus on Jesus, you'll get through it. If you focus on Jesus, everything else will minimize and he will maximize. If you will realize that the intensity of your gaze is on him and the glory in the highest face of Jesus, you'll get through it. Focus is on him. Second thing is our goal is him. Our goal is him. Colossians 1.27 says, For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Jesus Christ are for you too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing in his glory. Can I just tell you once again, this life's not about us. And when we come to Jesus, it's not so that we can live our lives better in the way that we want to. Jesus comes into our life and reminds us that the goal has always been him. What does this verse say? The secret is not that Jesus helps me live the life that I want. The secret is not that Jesus came and he was my greatest gift. Woohoo! Name on the present under the tree, exactly what I asked for. The secret is simply that Jesus lives in you so that you can live the life that he created you for. And when you surrender to that, man, it frees you up to truly be who God created you to be. See, the thing is, it's not Jesus plus this thing, or plus my comfort, or plus this goal. It's realizing that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And I'm not saying being excited about a a goal or having ambitions is wrong. Man, that's so right, because you should want to live a life worthy of the life that you've been given by God. But when Jesus becomes more of like a battery than like the thing, like he helps me get to do what I want to do, you're missing out on who Jesus really is. Our goal is him. Our goal is to be in his presence. I love that the wise men, when they got to him, they didn't say, whoa, 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 whoa! We came all this way for a toddler? I've had two toddlers. They're not that much to look at. I mean, they're cute, I love them, but I'm not gonna travel thousands of miles to see one that's not mine. But like they did, they traveled thousands of miles, and they walk in the house, and there's toddler Jesus hey <laughs> okay cool but see they realize that their goal is not a version of Jesus that they wanted the goal was just to be with him see my, my, my heart is that sometimes I've chased after a goal of a version of Jesus that he, is, he isn't even that and I get frustrated oh I didn't get him well you, he doesn't fit into my mold I surrender, I've surrendered my life to him and my goal is him and so if I get him which when you simply say Jesus come into my life you get him and you begin to grow and take that your life in a new direction you have your goal that's all that matters more of Jesus less of me I love this quote from Rick Warren that's in the purpose driven life he says this you didn't create yourself so there is no way you can tell yourself what you were created for it's like me going into the Louvre and saying oh man that painting is a masterpiece here's what I think it means and the, art, the dead artist is somehow standing right next to me. It says, you are totally wrong. <laughs> but I think that's what those colors mean. I think that's what you meant by that. No, no, not at all, man. I painted it. I get to tell you what it means. There's too many voices in our culture right now, and honestly, too many people that are saying, I get to tell my life who I am. When you didn't create your life, you had nothing to do with it. You didn't create yourself, so there's no way you can tell yourself what you were created for. You know that you were created to enjoy Jesus. You were created to say glory in the highest and not me. And here's the final one, and honestly, probably the most touching one in the sense of how important it is. Say so our, our focus is on Him, our goal is Him, but the authority is His. Ephesians 1:20 20 through twenty one says that it's raised Christ Jesus from the dead and seated Him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realm. Now He is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. There is this weird stigma that we've put on this word authority in the church. But I wanna tell you, God wants to have authority over your life. God actually does, contrary to property proper belief, want to tell you what to do. <laughs> he wants to start with relationship, don't get me wrong. I wanna start with relationship with my kids but I'm their father. And authority is not about me just telling them what to do. Authority protects them. When I say, hey, don't run in the street, that protects them from getting hurt. When I say, hey, eat your dinner and you can't have a cookie right now, it protects them by me giving them what they actually need, not what they want. When they come under my authority and say, hey, it's really time for you to take a nap and rest, it puts them at peace. I lay them in their bed and tuck them in because As their father, I know what's best for them. God, as your father, knows what's best for you. And you can bang on the table and say, but God, I want a cookie. And God's like, it's okay. Have just these boring, fiber-rich noodles right now because that's what you need. That's what's going to help you. And sometimes I think the answer is simply not big and flashy. It's just saying, God, you are the authority in my life. It's saying, Jesus, you sit at the right hand of God in the position of authority. I love this quote. It was the last day devotional of our Waiting for Hope devotional that we did together. It says this, Humility is not thinking you are less. It is never forgetting the fact that it's Jesus who made you more. Jesus is the one who made you more. Jesus is the one who saved you. Jesus is the one who redeemed you. So all he wants for us is to surrender. And I believe that phrase, glory in the highest, can bring you so much encouragement, so much strength, so much life, because life's not about me. And I'm so thankful for that, because I would mess it up. But I've placed my life in the hands of someone who will never mess it up. I've placed my life in the hands of someone who cares for me even more than I care about myself. And Jesus has brought me back into the heavenly family of God. God is my heavenly father, not just who tells me nice things, but tells me what I need, tells me the things I need to hear and brings the authority into my life. My encouragement as we close out this year is really just to take those three points and make them questions. Maybe journal some things this week or even take a moment after service today of reflection. Is your focus on Jesus? Or is your focus on your problems? Is your focus on your schedule, on your comfort, on your convenience? Or is your focus on Jesus? Is your goal Jesus? Like, is your goal really just him? Just like the wise man, hey, we got to Jesus. Nothing else matters. Because here's the thing. If your goal is Jesus, he will bring you the desires of your heart. But your goal has to be him first. The second thing is, who am I listening to? Is is the voice of God and the voice of Jesus really the authority in my life? I'm going to tell you, God's going to tell you some things you don't want to do. God's gonna tell you some things that hurt a lot. Not because he's trying to hurt you, because he's trying to heal you, he's trying to help you. He's trying to set what's been broken. He's trying to wrap up what's been hurt and abused. And sometimes it's just trusting the authority of his voice. How do I know there's power in the authority of the word of God? Because how did God create the world? Let there be light, and he said it, and there was light. See, my my fear is, is that we are resisting the very thing that could bring new life into our situation. Because God can say it and it'll happen. So today, focus on him, make your goal him. Let your authority not be your own, but be in the hands of Jesus. And that's how you make this hope extremely thrilling, extremely exciting, because it is the goodness of God it is the greatness of Jesus. It is the glory in the highest that makes this life worth living. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Thank you so much for joining us on the Local City Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just heard and allow it to go deeply into your heart. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Local City Church. Your generosity makes this podcast possible and creates life change for so many people. You can be a part of spreading this message by going to localcity.church/give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this message with your family and friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you. Have a great day.